Hi, I'm Sean Payton, head coach of the New Orleans Saints, and I'm about ready to get slimed after our super wild card win on Nickelodeon this weekend. Ah! <laughs> Man. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. On ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Scott Show, the great sports callers, open think tank. Tell you what, man, it's freezing outside. It is ice cold, and yet Saints fans are feeling good. They're feeling good. Got a playoff win. Yeah, against the Bears. It's all right. Against the Bears. And... Because of PTSD for Saints fans when it comes to the playoffs and anxiety and things like that, yeah, they were uh, they weren't feeling they weren't feeling all that great at halftime. But the reality is, the reality is, the Bears weren't doing anything on the Saints outside of a trick play that resulted in a dropped wide open what would have been a touchdown by Javon Wims, who is just mentally checked out because C.J. Gardner-Johnson just knows how to get in the head of everyone. The man has a hey, – he's got a Ph.D. Just call him Dr. Dr. Deuce, C.D. Deuce. He's got a Ph.D. in just getting under the skin of other players. I mean, he got another guy ejected, and Coach Matt Nagy said they spent 20 minutes of preparation and game. Specifically, just talking about C.J. Gardner-Johnson and what he was going to try to do and how they had to remain composure. The Bears are a team without composure. The Bears aren't a good football team. The Bears didn't have a winning record. The Bears jumped offsides into the neutral zone a number of times, including on a fourth and three in the Saints' red zone. The Bears are who we thought they were. Shout out late great Denny Green. That mean, that's, that's what it was. Because outside of a dropped wide-open touchdown, the Bears couldn't do anything offensively. A 99-yard garbage-time drive that ended with a Jimmy Graham touchdown as time expired. When the Saints were playing prevent and the game was over. It was over. Other than that, the Bears scored three points all game and it was after a Taysom Hill fumble. That's it. As I said, going into the playoffs, as I will continue to say, 
My bigger issues with this Saints football team is <sighs> it's on the offensive side of the ball, particularly on the offensive line, not on the defense. Defense looked good yesterday. What a weekend. What a weekend. Now, I, I just super wild card weekend. I'm still not crazy about the, the bye but the seven seed Colts made it a game against Buffalo. The Bills get their first playoff game in 25 years. John Walford starts for the Rams, gets hurt. Jared Goff goes in with a – he had surgery on his thumb 12 days ago and, and played great. Rams beat the Seahawks. Washington loses to Tampa, but Taylor Heineke makes it a game. Makes it exciting. It was entertaining. Baltimore, Tennessee, one touchdown game. Entertaining. Lamar Jackson, the Ravens. They haven't won a playoff game with Lamar quarterback. They haven't won a playoff game since 2014. Why can't they beat the Titans who eliminated from the playoffs last year? Who beat them earlier this season and danced on their logo? Oh, no, it's 10-0. Oh, the Ravens can't play a comeback. Oh, but they can. They did, and they won. Then in the nightcap, the Browns get their first playoff win in 26 years against their big brother. Ben Roethlisberger, in his entire career, had never lost to the Browns at home. Now he has, and it was in a playoff game where the Browns were missing the vast majority of their offensive line and their head coach, and the Browns still won double digits. And even though it was 28-9 to at the end of the first quarter, there was entertainment value in the game in that the Browns were well, the Browns. I mean, they hadn't won in forever. And could they actually blow this? And, you know, for a little while, the Steelers, you know, they kind of started making a comeback. Then Mike Tomlin, fourth and one, and he decides to punt at the Browns 46. What? What? Nick Chubb, a few plays later, is running into the end zone for a touchdown. The Browns run away with it. It was. Quite a weekend. And then you had the Saints beating the Bears. Sean Payton getting slimed. It was awesome. It was awesome. But how about that Saints D? Came down the first half completely and don't let Trubisky beat you with his legs. And they've done that. But now Chicago has to adjust. Here comes the blitz. Second and seven. They got him back at the 40. Well, you create five-man pressure. Anzalone comes flying in, so everyone's one-on-one up front. And Rankins just goes right by the right guard. He did. And you know what? There weren't a ton of sacks, and it wasn't like there were a lot of turnovers. But the Saints just won. On defense, fundamentally sound, beating an inferior offense. That's what they did. It's how it went down. It's how it went down. And get ready for the Bucks, which will... Take a look at the divisional round bracket and Brady versus Breeze and all the buildup and what to expect in that game. And I get it. I get it. We got plenty of post-game sound from Saints-Bears. And love to hear from you guys. Phone lines are open for you all morning. 269-1077-269-1077. The Saints lost a turnover battle. 
Bears got points off it, but it didn't didn't really matter. Bears rushed for what forty eight yards in the whole game. Trubisky threw for <laughs> excuse me one ninety nine, but ninety nine of those yards came on the final drive in garbage time, where they took a breeze touchdown off the board and you know prevented the Saints from winning twenty eight to three, which would have been funny. But Sean, what the hell are you doing? Having the breeze leap, the guy's got half of his ribs. Why are you doing the breeze leap up 21 to three on fourth and goal late in a game that you've already won? And then Kamara's getting a lot carry after carry on that drive. At that point, that's when you just get nervous. But it's how they roll all year, and it's how they're going to continue to roll. Saints win at 21 to nine. It's their first playoff win by more than one possession. Since it's their first playoff game where the outcome was decided by more than one possession. Um, geez. How long has it been? Eight years? Eight years. Yeah. Saints win it. We'll get into I, I look, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I saw a lot of highlights of uh from from the Nickelodeon podcast and that other goofy stuff. I don't even have Nickelodeon. Okay. So I didn't I didn't I didn't watch any of that broadcast. It was just CBS, Nance, Romo. Saints get the win. Deontay Harris, we'll hear from him, his post game sound. He came off IR, as did Michael Thomas, but it was like, wait, Deontay Harris? Ooh. Career high? And catches and yards. Another weapon. Saints getting healthy at the right time. Saints don't have a ton of wins all time. That was only their 22nd playoff game all time. They don't have a ton of playoff wins in franchise history. You enjoy every single one of them. ESPN1420.com. Hello. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Good morning. Man, uh, I want to know how much money Chauncey Gardner-Johnson spends on private investigators to find out exactly what to say to those guys to piss them off so bad. What do you think it is that he says, Scott? I mean, like, this dude is like a professional antagonist. Like, I, I just don't get it. Like, I was when I saw what happened, I was like, there's no way, not again. I thought it was the same guy at first. And then when I saw it was Anthony Miller... I was like, my God, this dude done it again. I mean, what do you think he's saying to these guys? I don't know. I don't know how he. I don't know how he does it. I know Cat Terrell of the Athletic did a, a a good story on him earlier in the season, and there wasn't really anything in there that was too revealing about how he does it, other than she talked to a lot of coaches and teammates of his past that basically just said that's how he's always been. Um, they talked about growing up. That's how he was. So. I don't know, man. That guy's probably been punched so many times it doesn't even phase him. And he, I'm telling you, he's got a PhD in in, in trash talk. And there's, I, I don't, I just, I don't know. I, I, to answer your question, I have no idea, but it works. And what's even more amazing, and and it just, it, it's it's a reminder of how the Bears are, and that you know, it's great to get a playoff win. The Bears aren't a good football team, but like Matt Nagy, he said after the game. He said, listen, we spent like 15 minutes or 20 minutes during game week, during game week, preparing for 
CJGJ and not what he does on the field as a player, but essentially how he gets into the mind of the opponent. So we spent 20 minutes on here's what he's going to do, okay? Here's what he's going to do, and you got to maintain composure. You can't lose it. He said, look, when you spend 20 minutes during a game week where you only have so many times to prepare for a playoff game, that tells you how important we knew that was, and yet you still had a player just throw a punch. Anthony Miller just throws a punch, gets ejected. I mean, I, and, and of course you knew as soon as there was something after the whistle it was going to involve Gardner Johnson, and then it's a 15-yarder on Chicago, and the guy's kicked out of the game. Unreal. Unreal. Well, it was it was an unreal man, and that that catch that Jimmy Graham had was unreal too, man. That was even though it didn't matter, it was still an amazing catch. And I just thought it was kind of cheesy that he ran out and he didn't want to stay behind and say hello to the team and you know congratulate him or whatever. I guess he's still bitter for some reason. But you know the one thing I wanted to say, and I'll, I'll hang up and listen. What do you think is the cause of Taysom? Or ask. What do you think is the cause of Taysom Hill's fumble woes? I saw an article a while back that. He has really small hands. Apparently for a quarterback or for an NFL player, period, he has really small hands. I don't know if that's a, a indicator. Apparently some people say that is. But, I mean, this guy is fumbling at New Orleans Saints. Uh, I, I think you got to look at each, each one, you know, each one. Isolate each fumble. So a lot of his fumbles, I think, is ball security and how he holds it when he's running. Yesterday it was because he held the ball too long. I mean, it was when he was trying when he dropped back into his release for a bomb that who knows if he would have completed it. But Harris was wide open, uh, but he held it. He held it a half second too long. Uh, so in some cases, when it's in the pocket, it might be pocket presence. In other cases, it's how he holds the ball. But yeah, it's just you know, it's just further evidence that you know he's not the long term answer or anything like that at QB and. He uh, he's a, he's a weapon in the Saints' offense, but his biggest, you know, his biggest weakness is turning the ball over, and he's got to stop. I mean, go back to Week Three against Green Bay. The Saints stop the Packers on a fourth down and get the ball back, and it's tied up, and they can go take a lead in the fourth quarter. And what happens? Second play after the turnover, a Taysom Hill fumble. Green Bay recovers. They go down. They score. They win the game. They're the one seed. They had the bye. They had all that. They had the tie. All that stuff. I mean. If, if the Saints win that game, maybe it's all different. Who knows how different the season plays out. But you can go back to a lot of, you know, there are a lot of moments this season where if the Saints had lost games because of a Taysom Hill fumble, I think it would be under the microscope more. But every time he's on the field, I get nervous about the football. I guess my thing is I don't understand why Sean keeps giving him opportunities. I mean, I remember when Mark Ingram was in New Orleans and he had that one game where he fumbled once or twice, like, he pulled them and didn't even let them touch the ball. Like I think, I think because the there, I think it's because there's so you know he pulled them. He pulled them for that game, and Tim Hightower played, and then Ingram was back in the lineup the next week. But I think you you had a number of running backs, right? You, you don't really have anyone that does, does. So it's not like it's not like okay, we're going to take him out because he has this fumble in it. Now look, it's a fair point, and I've I've asked the same question you're asking. But I'm trying to figure out a reason why, whether I agree with it or not. And my reasoning is, in Sean Payne's mind, he's he's in the offense. It's not like they have someone else they can put into that role and say, okay, you're fumbling, now we're going to have someone else do this. So in the playbook, there really is no other script for a number of plays that you can do. Whereas if it's a running back, you could say, okay, you know, Latavius, let's say it was Murray, who, who rarely fumbles, and that's credit to him, just using it as a hypothetical. You know, Murray fumbles twice, and... 
okay, well, we know what Kamara does. Let's let's give Kamara more touches, or let's get Dwayne Washington in for, for one or two carries here because you fumbled the ball. You don't have that with Taysom. There's no one else specifically in that role, and there's no one else with those kind of plays uh, that are that are basically scripted for them within that offense. So I think that has something to do with it, too. I guess for me, the reason why it's so gut-wrenching is, is like, I forgot who it was. It was some beat writer wrote. He was like, and then the Saints do it again. Sean Payton pulls out his Hall of Fame quarterback to put in Taysom Hill to turn the ball over. So I guess for me, it's just like, that's, like, I don't want that to be the story of, like, if the Saints were to lose to Tampa Bay because Sean Payton pulls Drew Brees out to put Taysom Hill. I think that's the reason why it stings. If, if Taysom fumbles a, a catch or a designed run or something like that, a handoff, fine. But when you take when you take Drew Brees off the field to put him on the field and he turns it over, for me it's just that much worse. But I'll hang up and listen. Little more protection, maybe that play ends in a touchdown, but he held it too long. He held it too long. <sighs> Saints win. Brees oh, yeah. over the middle. It's Thomas. Oh. How about that? How awesome was that to get slimed when he scored a touchdown? Oh, that is the, incredible. I wish they had the slime cannons when I was playing football. I feel like you would have been <laughs> even more motivated to get in the end zone. <laughs> You're oh, right yes. about that. Oh, man. So what did we learn yesterday? I, I don't know that we learned anything new about the Saints yesterday. Right? This is a team with a lot of depth. This is a team that can win in various ways. This is a team with a good defense. And this is a team that if they want to win next week, they're going to have to play better, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Right? I mean, you haven't had, but before yesterday's game, 10 quarters all season of Breeze, Kamara, and Thomas on the field together. You finally did. And things offensively looked out of sync at times. They did. They came out of the gate offensively, went down the field, scored a touchdown, and when it came to the scripted plays within the offense, well, first 10 to 15 plays are all scripted, it looked okay. When that end, when that when that came to an end, it was dicey there on offense. They couldn't sustain drives. Cesar Ruiz was struggling against Akeem Hicks. And then in the second half, they kind of got moving a little bit. Right? And the Saints held the ball for long periods of time, and they were good on third down. And by the time you got into the, you know, late in the third quarter, Chicago's defense was gassed. I mean, the Saints' time of possession was, was almost 2-1 to one yesterday. So can the offense improve from yesterday into next week? I mean, Michael Thomas looked better than he did all season. He looked healthy. Five catches, 73 yards. That 38-yard gain on a third and four was big, which led to the Saints going up 14-3. to And then that's really when the Saints went marching and the game slowly was not so agonizing for a lot of Saints fans who were probably overly worried, understandably so. Saints used that same play out of a pistol formation. Deontay Harris open on a screen. Right? 
Kamara looked good. Jared Cook looked good. Deontay Harris looked great. You didn't even see, like, what it, what, Marquez Cowley didn't have a catch. Emmanuel Sanders didn't do much. Wasn't their day. But you know that when their number's called, they might be able to do things. The biggest question for the Saints remains the interior of the offensive line. Because if they're going to lose in the playoffs, I feel like that is the spot we're going to be saying, eesh. And there were times yesterday, especially in the second quarter, where they didn't look good. Now you got Tampa Bay, who's got a tremendous run defense. So if you're thinking, oh, the Saints just need to focus on running the ball next week, it's not going to happen next week. I'm not telling you they're not going to call any runs. But expect a pass-heavy offense next week. Maybe not necessarily a bunch down the field, but a lot of passes. And and that, that might make folks nervous. Cesar Ruiz, the rookie, he allowed three pressures during the game, and he wasn't he wasn't awful. And it was a tough matchup against Akeem Hicks. But imagine him having to go up against like Aaron Donald or something. Yeah, the offensive lull that you experience for about half of yesterday's game. It's not going to be good enough. As good as the defense is, they were playing a, a, a terrible offense yesterday in Chicago. Make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. Did they do their, did they do a good job against them? Yeah, they did a great job against them. They did a great job against them. Again, outside of a, a, a touchdown and garbage time on the last play of the game, I mean, they gave up, three points to the Bears, and it was a field goal after the Saints turned the ball over on the wrong side of the field. Other than a trick play where Wims was wide open and Trubisky just hit like a full-court shot right through the hoop. I mean, Wims opened up his hands like he was trying to mimic a basketball hoop. That was bad. That was bad. ESPN1420N.com. Other than that, though, the defense was, was tremendous. Give up, what, 239 yards? 99 of them came on the final drive. Outside of garbage time, they gave up 140 yards in nine drives prior to that last drive. Bears aren't good. Tampa Bay is. And it's going to be nonstop Brady Breeze. Nonstop records versus records. Nonstop coverage of the quarterbacks. Build up nonstop all the way up until this Sunday night at 540. Prepare for it. Because the Bucks, even though they the Saints house them by 46 points combined in the two wins over Tampa this year, are playing their best football over the past five weeks. They've won every game. They're averaging over 35 a game in that span. Brady looks more comfortable. Antonio Brown is comfortable in the offense now. Devin White is going to be back from the COVID-19 reserve list. And while the game was not put away until the very end on Saturday night against the Washington football team, Tampa Bay is playing good now. Now, the Saints were well-matched against the Bucs, especially Tom Brady in the regular season. 
Well, it's hard to beat a team three times in a season. Well, the Saints did it a couple of years ago to Carolina. There have been 21 occasions in NFL history where two teams played one another three times, twice in the regular season, once in the postseason. Two-thirds of those times, the team that won both matchups in the regular season, won in the postseason. 14 out of 21. The team that won the two games in the regular season won in the postseason. So, yeah, you could say it's hard, but it's happened twice as much as it hasn't. So if you've lost to a team twice, it's actually more difficult to beat them a third time. Now, that, that's, just, that's history. It doesn't mean anything comes Sunday. In fact, if you want to use statistics to make an argument the other way, If you look at, of the uh, of the seven times a team that got swept in the regular season, but then the team went on to beat that opponent in the postseason, three of those seven times are three of the most lopsided point differentials from regular season score. What I mean by that is this. Anybody remember when the Cardinals and Jake Plummer beat the Dallas Cowboys in the wild card round of the 98 season? The Cowboys had beaten the Cardinals twice that regular season by a combined 35 points. So the Cowboys were plus 35 against the Cardinals going into that game, and the Cardinals beat them. The three biggest plus point differentials for an opponent that swept someone in the regular season, in all three of those situations, that team then lost in the playoffs. And the highest one was Dallas plus 35 against the Cardinals. Cardinals go on to beat them in the wild card. The Saints are plus 46 against Tampa this year. My point is this. You can go dig for stats and convince yourself one way or another that it's a good thing or a bad thing, what happened in the regular season, yada, yada, yada. The reality is none of it is going to matter on Sunday. What happened back in September, what happened back on November 8th, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. ESPN fourteen twenty. Two six nine ten seventy seven two six nine one zero seven seven. Ah man, you can email me Scott at ESPN fourteen twenty dot com. You can tweet the show as well, at ESPN1420. We got plenty of sound for you from the game. DeMario Davis, Cam Jordan, Deontay Harris, Drew Brees, Sean Payton, Alvin Kamara, CJ, GJ, CJ Gardner-Johnson. You know, the, the Bears can act like it doesn't matter and it doesn't bother them. I mean... Miller got kicked out of the game. Anthony Miller, the water receiver, got kicked out, got ejected. Was asked about it after the game. Said, hey, does he get on your skin? He goes, who? I don't know who that is. Keep, keep telling yourself that. Keep telling yourself that. You'll hear C.J. Gardner-Johnson answering questions after the Saints win. We'll get into that. Thirty minutes after the hour of seven o'clock, we will uh, we'll take more phone calls. 
Cajun men's hoops split over the weekend. Lights out Friday night for a few seconds was all anyone wanted to talk about Saturday morning. I was not there. I did not see it. I, I saw it on the internet. I read about it. I saw the Sunbelt statement. I was actually in New Orleans, went to the Pels game Friday. Eesh. That was rough. Good to see the Pels in person, but man, oh man. And a lot more NFL Super Wildcard Weekend to break down. From the six games to now the divisional matchups. Don't go anywhere. This is the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. The strength of America, our values, our way of life hasn't just been won on the battlefield. It's won every day in our communities when we come together, extending hands of compassion, service, and hope to those who need it most. For over 100 years, the American Legion has been strengthening communities across our nation by providing life-saving help and support to our veterans and neighbors during times like we're facing today. It's what the Legion's all about. From blood drives to distributing food, from responding to emergencies and protecting the most vulnerable among us. Our mission is making America's community stronger. We are one family, and therefore, we care. We are the American Legion, veterans strengthening America. To learn how you can help, visit legion.org. If a natural disaster comes knocking, how prepared is your family? You can't just close the door on earthquakes, floods, or hurricanes and hope they go away. That's why it's important to make a plan now. Ready.gov slash plan has the tools and tips you need to prepare your family for an emergency. So if disaster shows up at your doorstep, you'll be ready. Visit ready.gov slash plan and make a plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. The why is where James first discovered his love for painting. Now it's also where he'll learn the difference between mitosis and meiosis. This school year, many YMCAs are transforming some of their spaces for virtual learning, dedicating staff, and even providing meals. Contact your local Y to learn more. Forever learning. The Y. For a better us. The ESPN 1420 app is waiting for you to tap it. One little finger, one little finger, one little finger, tap, tap, tap. Listen to Louisiana Raging Cajun Sports, along with the best sports talk on the bayou. Tap that app. Let's go, let's do it. The ESPN 1420 app, available for download in the iTunes App Store or Google Play. Hi, I'm Sean Payton, head coach of the New Orleans Saints. And I'm about ready to get slimed after our super wild card win on Nickelodeon this weekend. Ah! <laughs> Man. Congratulations, guys. Thank you, guys. It's the Great Scott Show. Somebody call her. That's terrible. She can't only think that. Stop catching otters that talk. Uh, whatever it stands for. It's Scott Prather on ESPN 1420. Welcome back. 
The Great Scott Show. I believe the good morning. Weather update for you. Man, it's cold. It was 36 degrees when I got up this morning and drizzling. But tell you what, man, if the Saints had been eliminated by a bad football team in the playoffs, it would have felt a lot colder. Instead, you just, you, you know, you turn on the car a little early, get the heater running a little bit. Have some morning coffee, even though I don't drink coffee. I, whatever it is, whatever your routine is on a Monday, feels a lot different than if yesterday had uh, played out a little different. Anyway, your weather forecast from the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab and Daniel Phillips. Cloudy, cool, 20% showers, and it's clearing up. The high today is 43 Tonight, clearing and cold with a low of 30. Sheesh. I got family in Austin, Texas. They're sending me pictures over the weekend of all this snow. They're building snowmen. Cold weather is here, everybody. Cold weather is here. Uh, It'll probably be pretty cold in Green Bay next week when the Packers host the Rams, who... And I said I felt like they were kind of a sleeper team if their quarterback situation was more clear. But because it was going to be Wofford, I was rolling with Seattle. Well, Wofford started. He didn't last long, and in comes Jared Goff, and that was all. They didn't even have another quarterback dressed out, Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles, who started the season on no team, then was on practice squad then on the regular season roster for a little while then was released then was signed by the Rams but was told to stay away from the team in case they got into a situation where they couldn't fill the position he was their backup last year and now he might even have to play this weekend Green Bay if they wanted it easy man the, the Rams are beat up now golf might play but that was a hell of a performance for a guy that had surgery on his thumb 12 days ago Here's the latest on the Rams from Ian Rappaport NFL Network on Good Morning Football. And never mind. Thought I had the audio. Let's see here. All right. Uh, don't you just love when the, when the technology doesn't work? Have all this sound lined up on the computer. C.J. Gardner-Johnson ready to come through. Got an update for you from the game, from uh, from the, uh, the, uh, the Rams game against the Packers coming up. Ian Rappaport says Aaron Donald has torn rib cartilage, expected to play Cooper Cup, questionable the quarterbacks. Both of them are uncertain at this time. And the sound's completely out. Not cool, man. We'll try to get that fixed in the next break. In the meantime, phone lines are open for you at 269-1077-269-1077. In a little bit of other news, Elijah Mitchell, raging Cajun running back, who... You know, from Erath played all four years, first team all Sunbelt Conference performer last season, and a guy that proved to be a big 
difference maker on the field. Rushed for, gosh, in his career in four years. Um, final numbers, 3,259 3, rushing yards and another about 500 receiving yards. 46 touchdowns in his career. Been a stalwart in the Cajun offense. He announced yesterday that he will be uh, that he has declared for the NFL draft. Now he's a senior, but of course in 2020, it's a little different, right? Every single student athlete season doesn't count as a year of eligibility, so guys can come back. You know, you've seen a number of Cajuns do that, whether it be Levi Lewis, whether it be Ken Marks, whether it be Taylor Humphrey, to name a few. But Trey Regis last week said that he was going to declare after five years with the Cajuns. Elijah Mitchell doing the same after four and did so in a really classy way. Nice message. You can read all about it. See it over at ESPN1420.com and on the ESPN 1420 app. Eli said, Cajun Nation, from the small town of Erat to the bright lights of Cajun Field, the outpouring of love and support from raging Cajuns fans everywhere has been nothing but elite over the past four years. I would not be where I am today without the support of my coaches. I want to sincerely thank Coach Napier, Coach DeLuke, Coach Dez, and the rest of the coaches and staff for showing me what excellent leadership looks like and always leading me. They helped me become a better person and a better player. Best of all, they always believed in me. Memories and relationships I've made with teammates will be something I take with me forever. The culture is special. Together we accomplish so much, and I'm so proud to have been part of it. Last and most importantly, I want to thank my family for always loving and supporting me. After much thought, prayer, and consideration, my journey to fulfill my childhood dreams continues as I'm declaring for the 2021 NFL Draft. Mitchell, if you look at, if you know, you go look at various mock drafts, and I'll be honest, I don't. But I have friends that do. Steve does. Steve writes about, um, you know, where Raging Cajuns are, are projected to go in various mock drafts. And and for a couple of them, they have Eli everywhere from the fourth to a seventh rounder. Wherever it is, he's going to get drafted. And um, I think he'll be playing. Should be fun. But he's been he's been very good. And now it's the Chris Smith show. And Manny Bailey will obviously get a lot more touches next year, but Chris Smith goes into it after being a big part of the Cajun offense this past year. He'll be the feature back next season. Indeed. ESPN1420.com. Cajun hoop splits with Little Rock over the weekend in two tight games. The finish on Friday night was the one that drew national headlines. Why? Because... The lights kicked off, not completely, but kind of the the victory lights, the ones you might see in pregame when it kind of goes red during Little Rock's final possession, and then they they flip back on. Um, about three seconds left, Little Rock dribbled, passed it out, took a long three, missed ball game. Cajuns win by two, and the Sun Belt was. It, it it was unfortunate what happened. Let's be real. I mean, Coach Marlin, to his point after the game, was like, look, I thought we played well enough to win. I hope, you know, not everyone's just only talking about seconds. But the last few seconds of that game were, were – put yourself on the other side of it. I mean, if that happens in Little Rock to the Cajuns, if that happens to any team, you're, you're livid. Now you can say, oh, well, they still got a shot off – 
the lights go off with five seconds and it's counting down. That's that's gonna it's gonna mess with you. I don't want to hear excuses. Sunbelt released a statement that night and said, look, the last few seconds was hand was not managed properly by the officiating crew. Play should have immediately been stopped. As soon as the lights go off, you blow the whistle. Arena lighting encourages you blow the whistle. You don't play on. And then Little Rock takes the ball out of bounds with, I guess there were five seconds left. You complete the last sequence. Didn't happen. Game ends. Cajuns go to the locker room. I mean, that is the wildest into a Cajun win since they had six players on the floor and a win at Western Kentucky years ago. And the refs didn't notice. That was a while back. But that was a wild game on, on on Friday night. I was in New Orleans, which is completely dead right now. You know, I, I I went to the Pelicans game Friday night, and there's you know obviously limited capacity, only 750 people. I was not completely up to date as I should have been. I thought I was going to be able to buy some beer there. Didn't happen. And then I probably needed it the way the Pelicans played in the second half. Stayed at the Hyatt. There was nobody there. All the restaurants were closed. It was uh, it was just different, man. And I, I I I get it, and I understand why. But I you, know, you go around Lafayette, you still see some places open here, or there, and people practicing social distancing and walking around. There's none of that happening in New Orleans, man. Between a Sugar Bowl semifinal game last night, a Pelicans game Friday, a Saints playoff game yesterday, typically the city would be rocking. And looking forward to putting uh, all the COVID stuff behind us. Quarter to eight, seven. Hit me up. Talking about the Saints win over the Bears, the NFL Super Wild Card weekend. The uh, lights out of the Cajun on Friday night. Cajun split with the Trojans. A little bit of Pels, mainly about the Saints. And uh, Elijah Mitchell for the Cajuns declaring for the NFL draft. But the vast majority has all been about the Saints. The win over the Bears. The NFL Wild card weekend. Still having some computer issues, working on getting some sound in another studio during the break so we can hear some post-game player sound from a couple of the Saints. Hopefully that'll come for you a little bit later this hour. One-man show, man. I'm going to find a way, one way or another, to bring it to you. In the meantime, phone lines 269-1077. Biggest concern after yesterday's game. Biggest takeaway. Best part. Give me your hot takes. Give me how you're feeling. Let's head to the phone lines right now. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Uh, is this still Saints talk? I can talk NFL playoffs. I just think. Bring it, man. Right Whole wild card weekend. Right, Let's uh, go. All right. Uh, I want to congratulate uh, three players in particular. I want to congratulate uh, Josh Allen, uh, Lamar Jackson, and uh, Baker Mayfield for uh, helping their teams uh, get a victory. Uh, and the reason I say that, um, uh, you know, well, Baker Mayfield is his first playoff appearance, but sometimes when a quarterback, a young quarterback, when they lose two, three games in the playoffs, you hear this, oh, he can't win a big one. He can't win a big one. Well, you know, it took Peyton Manning a while to win a playoff game. So, you know, it's a process. You know, you just got to go through a process. Um, man, that hemorrhaging. Woo! Scott, I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't see, man, what a first quarter by the Browns, huh? 28 yeah, no, I mean, 28, I, 28 nothing. I mean, they just spotted him seven, but then after the interception – the, the 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 game I was most wrong about by far, and I I hit on most of my picks yeah, was 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 Brown Steelers. I, I thought I thought the the Steelers were going to run away with it. I mean, you don't have your head coach, you're missing all those old linemen, and it was it was complete domination. I mean, I know Pittsburgh tried to make it kind of interesting late, and Mike Tomlin got a little 
uh, criticized for not going for it on fourth and one, but the reality is they 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 came out the gate so badly. And uh, for Cleveland, man, what a magical moment! Like for them, like they're I don't the way their old line is, like they're not going to go into Kansas City and win. But that, jeez. Sorry, somebody just walked in the studio and tapped on my shoulder while I'm on the air and scared me. <laughs> All right, back to the show. That took me out of the moment. The Browns, uh, I lost my train of thought because people love to just walk in a studio while I'm hosting a show, so I'll, I'll throw it back to you. Yeah, um, I lost my train of thought too. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, just, just I, I, I did, when I saw that, man, I was like, well, because I was going to watch this game, I was like, I'm, I'm done. I think it was 35-7, and I saw the score. And uh, it's like, like you say, Pittsburgh made a, a valiant effort, but of course it was, it was too late, man. It was, it was just too much. Um, All right, so I, the, the rate- point I was getting at is I feel like <laughs> now, now, now I'm back to it. Um, everybody's just computers aren't working. There's people walking in the studio. It's a great Monday. But um, so the, for, the, for the Browns, Maybe they, maybe I'll be wrong again, and they beat the Chiefs, especially the way their offensive lines beat up. But for them, it's kind of like it's it's not a Super Bowl, but it's about the next best thing. They beat the Steelers, who they rarely ever beat. Ben Roethlisberger had never lost to the Browns in Pittsburgh ever, ever until yesterday. So they beat them by a lot missing all of their pieces while everybody's been dogging them and doubting them. And now their fans just get to sit back and enjoy a whole week of being in the playoffs, having a win. I mean, they, they, they never won since they became an expansion team again. And as we, you and I, I think we're talking about last week, they hadn't won a playoff game since Vinny Testaverde was their quarterback. Um, Leroy Horde was getting carries in the game. So uh, for, for all those guys, man, but really for that fan base, shout out to them. That's, it's it's not a Super Bowl, but I think considering the opponent and the stakes and everything they were missing, it's probably the next best thing for that fan base. It's, yeah, it's almost uh, similar to the Bills situation. I think that's uh, that was uh, their first playoff victory. I think since '95. Twenty-five. Yeah, it's been, been it was it was uh, years for the Browns, twenty-five years for the Bills, and uh, the difference was the Bills kind of had the Browns. I think could play loose. The the Bills had a lot of pressure there, and um, you know it was a close game, but. I was really happy for that fan base, man, and I think, I think that game next week against Baltimore is going to be a good one. Yeah, um, yeah, um, but Lamar Jackson, I'm glad he got off the hunt because that's, you know, he he was oh, his first two playoff games. You know, he has a show. Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what to, what 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 would uh, take place and. Um, that touchdown run, man, that was electric. That was electric. <laughs> I, I heard on the radio. I, I you know I. I didn't start watching that game until um, the fourth quarter because I was busy. But I heard it on the radio, and um, you know, so I was like, "I, I got to watch the replay of this." And yeah, it was nice. Um, it's been like a Brown step. How many catches Brown had? Hollywood. Um, I don't have the the, the box score in oh, front okay. of me. But, but um, yeah, but that's about it, man. Other uh, Rams and Seahawks, man. Like I, I didn't watch it, but. Um, Aaron Donald, is he playing next week? You know anything? Right now, he's uh, expecting to play even with torn rib cartilage. But they don't know about the quarterbacks. They don't know if either quarterback's going to be able to play yet. Aaron Rodgers? No, I'm just I just want the Rams. I know. I just, <laughs> but, if uh, the Rams have to start Blake Bortles next week, I mean, my goodness. Jeez. Yeah. Um, the Bucks D-line, man. What you think about it? I think they're very good against the run. I think losing Vita Vey early in the season hurt them. Um, 
And I think Tampa Bay's issues are in the secondary, so I expect a pass-happy a pass happy game plan for the Saints uh, on Sunday. And, and I think for both sides, right, which gets pressure with the front four and doesn't have to bring more than four will probably dictate who's going to win the game. And Trey Hendrickson, uh, he didn't play last yesterday, right? No, he's still dealing with a neck injury. They kept him out two weeks ago, came back last week, and, um, you know, I think – We'll see. Oh, that's scary. Ooh. If he, if he, if he, uh, I'm anxious to see that practice report Wednesday. If he's listed as a DNP, then you have to start worrying. You know, is he is he going to play again this year? But if he gets on the field on a limited basis or a full time basis, then things are looking good. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not going to talk. There's other NFL news, but I just want to stick strictly to the playoffs. And um, yeah, great victory by the Saints. Um, yeah, uh, that was um, at, in the beginning of the first half, man. The offense was just basically non-existent. Uh, the defense scored that touchdown. Um, Malcolm Jenkins, right? Yeah, Malcolm Jenkins uh, scooped up the fumble. I mean, look, the, the Saints offense yesterday, it was with the scripted plays out of the gate, right? Sean likes to script the first 15 plays. It was strong. It was really good. You know, they get the early touchdown with Michael Thomas. And then once that end it they went into a rut and they had a lot of issues up front slowing down Akeem Hicks former St. John Jenkins and just that you know Khalil Mack was all over the place but that that was really disrupting things and um you know it, the good thing was that the Bears offense isn't good and the Saints defense is great so outside of a drop touchdown pass um, yeah, on a trick on a trick play outside of a drop touchdown pass on a trick play the Bears offense did nothing if you want to count the 99 yards on the final drive, okay. Before the, before the yeah, 99 okay. yards in garbage time, they had 140 total yards. They didn't have a single third down conversion prior to that last drive. They didn't have a touchdown. Their only points came off of a short field after the Hill fumble. So if you really break it down, I mean, the Saints defense did what they were supposed to do. They played a, a bad offense, and they completely shut them down for four quarters. Yeah, uh, Scott, after that drop pass, Game was over. <laughs> the game was over when they when they when the coin toss, but but the game was over uh, after that drop. When they pass. drop the pass and then they get a fumble on their side of the field and don't convert it into a touchdown, like even even with the Saints' offense struggling at that point, it wasn't. You know, maybe if it's fourteen to 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 seven after that and they've got some momentum because they 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 score on it. Of course, if they score on the will never happens. Things play out differently, but. Just seeing the way that thing played out in the second half, I don't think that Chicago offense was ever going to be able to consistently move the ball. You saw the game on CBS, right? Yeah, I don't even have Nickelodeon. Now I saw plenty on social media of clips from Nickelodeon, yeah. but uh, but no, I didn't. I didn't watch the game on Nickelodeon. Uh, I saw it on Parlor. Look, you have a good one, man. Thank you. Two six nine ten seventy seven. I think the game was on Prime as well, Amazon Prime, but I didn't watch it there. Nickelodeon Nickelodeon was the biggest winner of the weekend. By the way, phone lines are open at 269-1077. Biggest winner of the weekend. Their broadcast was just... It went better than I think they could have possibly imagined. Youth-focused presentation, 
I didn't like I said, I didn't watch I didn't I didn't watch it on Nickelodeon. I don't even have Nickelodeon. But I have a good I have a good pulse on the sports fan. And social media was just running wild. I know a ton of people that were watching it on Nickelodeon. Uh you know, was it simplistic at times from what I read? Yeah, but that's that's you want young kids to appreciate the game. There are all these little Nickelodeon touches and the graphics and SpongeBob and, you know, slime time. And the broadcast, I think, for kids focusing on the fun of football, you know, and commentators, yeah, maybe they're talking about their favorite ice cream flavors or or everything else, but the fact that you, it's just focused on the fun aspect of it and the optimism. You know what I mean? I mean, if you watched the game Saturday night, there were tons and tons of mentions to the attack on the Capitol. I'm not even saying that there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, they're playing in D.C., but there were a lot of references to it. You go to Nickelodeon, it's just like, you know, it's all about fun. It's all about optimism. Right? And then they're talking about players and what their favorite Nickelodeon shows were. And then Mitch Trubisky wins the MVP, the Nickelodeon Valuable Player Award. Which is kind of perfect when you consider it's a game on Nickelodeon. It makes no sense, so why not? Then you get Sean Payton who's out there and he's getting slimed after the game. Hi, I'm Sean Payton, head coach of the New Orleans Saints. And I'm about ready to get slimed after our super wild card win on Nickelodeon this weekend. Ah! Man. Congratulations, guys. Thank you, guys. All right. I think in the future, if it's not a Saints playoff game and another playoff game, if I have Nickelodeon, I'll watch it. Because why not? I saw a clip where I think you had Nate Burleson. You had Noah Eagle, who's Ian Eagle's son, and then you had uh, a young lady named Gabrielle Nevea Green, who apparently, I guess, she has shows on Nickelodeon. I saw a clip on social media of her say, talk. They were referencing a stat from the year two thousand, and she said, "Wow, I wasn't even born then." <laughs> wow, yeah, it was a show for uh, for the youngins. It was a broadcast for the youngins, but the amount of advertising and branding that Nickelodeon got from that thing. There was more branding for Nickelodeon in a single playoff broadcast, in a single football broadcast, than there has been for every single, for Yahoo Sports streams the games. Prime streams games. And they've streamed a lot of games at this point. I mean, Yahoo Sports on your phone, you can you can stream every game that's that's on in your market every single week. Prime schedules the the, what, the Thursday night games each week. They they brought they broadcasted the game yesterday. And yet the amount of branding for Nickelodeon in a single broadcast was more over the course of three and a half hours than it was for all of the other streaming platforms of every NFL game they've broadcast put together. Honestly, they they were the big winner here. Now, this idea that you should do it all the time, no, it would be a bit much. The novelty of it is part of 
what made it work. And I think the nostalgia for the older audience of, yeah, man, I remember that. You can't watch that on television and all the other stuff from Nickelodeon when I was a kid in the early 80s. They're, they're, that, that, that played into it as well. But they're the biggest winner of the weekend. Then followed by the Browns, who they didn't win a Super Bowl, but it probably feels like it for their fan base. Shout out to them. ESPN 1420.com, hello. You can't do that on television. Uh, and that's what um, that's why I was upset. Someone should have asked him a question, and he should have responded, I don't know, and then the slime should have came down. Cause that's, yeah. that was, that's how, right? That's how the show went. Someone, they might say water, and they drop water on them. Uh, they say, oh, I don't know. Then the slime would come down. I love it. I think that that would have been nice. And did any player say, oh, she's favorite Nickelodeon show? Pinwheel. <laughs> I, I know that's kind of an old show, but maybe one Drew of the Brees maybe one of the maybe Brees. one of the coaches. Yeah, I guess it would have to be Drew Brees. He's about the only one. He's about the only one. Uh, what else they had? Sharon Lawrence and Brown. You what know, was the What was the name of the show where the mannequin would come to life? Today's special. I'm up. I, With Jeff and Sam? I saw today's, today's special. special. I saw the guy, the guy that played the mannequin come to life. I saw him play the Phantom in the Phantom of the Opera in like a musical in like the 90s. Yeah. And I was like, I was just a kid, but I was like, wait, that's the guy from Nickelodeon? Wow, like he could sing. Anyway, random story has nothing to do I'm with I'm the at game. The, I'm at the, hey, man, no, thanks. I'm at the Wikipedia that. <laughs> but look, man, you have a good one, and uh, thank you. You got it. ESP at 1420.com. 18 after the hour of 8 o'clock. Here's a question, email. This one's from Frank. Scott, why didn't the Bears attempt an extra point or a two-point conversion? I thought in NFL games, teams always had to do it, even if the if the game is already over. It's an interesting question because there were some betters that had the Bears at minus 11 that were saying, let's, let's go here. The, the game closed at the Bears minus 11 from a betting standpoint. Now, the reason that they didn't attempt a PAT or a two-point conversion after the Graham touchdown actually has a little Saints history involved. So the old rule, unless it was in overtime, right? If a, if a game, if a, if a, if a, if a final touchdown is scored in overtime and the game ends, there was no PAT or two-point conversion. But if it happened in regulation in the NFL, they always forced them to try the PAT even if it was triple zeros in regulation. They changed that rule three years ago after the Minneapolis miracle when Stefan Diggs scored and, and, you know, Saints fans were all just aghast at how did that just happen? And then 15 minutes later, the Saints had to come out onto the field. Thomas Morstead rolls out there with a busted hip. And the Saints had to just send 11 players out to sit there while Case Keenum took a knee on a two-point try to officially end the game. And the whole thing just felt absurd and ludicrous. So they changed the rule and said, okay, if a touchdown is made on the last pay of a play of a period, the try attempt shall be made except during a, a sudden death period or if a touchdown is scored during a down at which time in the fourth quarter expires and a successful try would not affect the outcome of the game. So they put that rule in place just a couple of years ago after what happened to the Saints. That's a good question, though. And I know a lot of betters were, were, were wondering that. Like, hey, wait a minute. What's happening here? 
20 minutes after the hour of 8 o'clock. ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Scott Prather, when we come back, I think we'll have some player sound for you. Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, some others after yesterday's win. College football playoff national championship tonight. Can the Buckeyes upset Bama? Yeah. I don't know. We'll take take a look at this game. Justin Fields, what he'll have to do. I think Ohio State has some weaknesses. We'll talk about specifically what they are. And Alice, I'm sure Nick Saban will look to attack him tonight. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues right after that. Have you downloaded the ESPN 1420 app yet? No. <laughs> Why not? Just tap that app and hear ESPN 1420 programming worldwide. Download the ESPN 1420 app in the iTunes App Store or Google Play. The Great Scott Show on Sports Radio ESPN 1420. And ESPN1420.com. Welcome back into The Great Scott Show, the great sports callers open think tank. Phone lines are open, everybody. 269-1077. No uh, traffic to report, no accidents to report, rather, in the last uh, 30 minutes or so. So uh, there was a vehicle accident around 750 at the corner of Evans Lane and uh, South Loop Street. But outside of that... Roads have been clear. Be safe out there, everybody. Weather update from the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab and Daniel Phillips. Today, cloudy, cool, 20% chance of showers and clearing. High of 43. Tonight, clearing and cold, low of 30. It is cold out there. Colder than the Bears' offense. Will tonight's game be a close one? The College Football National Championship tonight, Alabama versus Ohio State which you can hear here, right here, on ESPN1420.com and the ESPN1420 app. And I, I, I'm looking at this matchup. Is it just me? I mean, you've got, a, you've got two programs with 25 national championships between the two of them, 25 claim national championships, 17 claim for Bama, eight claim for Ohio State. Two powerhouses, and I don't know if it's the if it's the buildup or lack thereof. I don't know if it's if it's because of just the COVID year. That's probably it, and the fact that the Buckeyes haven't played a ton of games. I don't know if it's because we're coming off of the high of the NFL Super Wild Card Weekend and all the great football we just had, but it doesn't. The buildup to this game just it feels like it's lacking. It doesn't feel special. I guess it just doesn't feel like the national championships tonight. And once they kick off, it's a good game. It's okay, fine. Ohio State's big weakness is their safety. At safety, they're, you know, they struggle, man. They struggle. Their secondary struggles. Sean Wade in the secondary. I mean, even though Ohio State whipped up on on Clemson, the one aspect that Clemson was just roasting them on was was Cornell Powell. What do you have? Eight catches, 139 yards against Wade, and now Wade's got the assignment of the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith, and he says, "I'm looking forward to it." Hey, you got to have that confidence. I get it. You got to have that confidence as a DB. But at safety, man, they just. They struggle. They struggle. 
Josh Proctor and Marcus Williamson. Alabama will look to throw the football tonight early and often. And I expect them to have a lot of success. How do you slow it down when you when your secondary isn't good? You try to get after the quarterback. You try to rattle Mac Jones. Because the Buckeyes defensive line, they they got after Trevor Lawrence. Clemson's O line looked outmatched. Alabama's offensive line is better. They just are. They just are. Alabama's offensive line. You look at Mac Jones. I mean, he typically has enough time in the pocket to make a PB and J. When he finishes, his jersey is nice and clean. I don't even need to wash it. And then the other thing is, what? How, how many? How many players on the defensive line is Ohio State even going to have? That's a question right now with COVID nineteen and contact tracing. That's up in the air. Oh, Alabama, they they just Notre Dame had no business being in that game. Notre Dame's one of only two teams to hold Bama to under 40 points this year. I mean, they were Alabama averaged over 48 points a game this year, which by the way was top of the nation. And yeah, Notre Dame gave up touchdowns on what? The first three drives and at that point you're not really paying all that much attention. But I just I don't see how Ohio State's going to slow down Alabama's offense. So now it comes down to if you're going to make it a game, Buckeyes, you got to put up some points. And can Justin Fields get it done? How's his how how are his ribs? He looks fine after that huge hit in the Clemson game. Creating explosive plays with his legs, throwing the ball all over the field against Clemson like he did. Fields can create more on his own than Mac Jones. So if he's under pressure, he can still do some things. But I think Alabama wins tonight, and I think they win double digits, and I think we're all just going <gasps> to let's go to bed early. Let's go to bed early. When you've got the receivers that Bama has and you've got the best player in the country at wide receiver and you've got issues in your secondary like Ohio State and your defensive line is going up against a better offensive line than you did a few weeks ago against Clemson, Bama's O-line's better, and you might not even have all your D-line. You could be missing a number of players. It's just a recipe for disaster for Ohio State. I just want a good game. I want to be entertained. I want it to go down to the wire. I want some drama. I don't think we're going to see it. I hope I'm wrong. I don't think we're going to see it. Don't think we're going to see it. ESPN1420N.com. All right, don't go anywhere. When we come back, actually, let's just keep it right here. Let's do it. Let's do it. Drew Brees. Drew and the Saints with the win. Breeze after the game. You look at what Deontay did today, and obviously like he was a big part of what, what y'all were doing, moving the ball downfield, but especially on third down. Um, he had like four third down conversions today. How big was he there for you guys specifically? Yeah, listen, he's a, he's a great weapon. He can do a lot of things. He's, he's got a really great feel uh, for the game and, and um, a lot of our route concepts. And, and so you know we were trying to put him in positions where – you know, good matchups in space, um, get the ball in his hands, and um, 
let him do what he does best. He did a great job. Next one's from Mike Triplett. Uh, Drew, I have two. First of all, what, what read was Latavius Murray on that touchdown? If, if he was he's even not, in the progression. He's, he's, <laughs> not, he's not in the progression. There's, there's, five, there's, five, other, there's five other guys or, or four other guys, and he's actually blocking. And, and then uh, he was there to cut Khalil Mack. So he was on the ground, and then he popped up, and I just kind of dished it over Max's head to uh, to Latavius. So it, they 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 played a totally different coverage than what you know the play was designed for. So there's nobody open. So I go to scramble. He pops up off the ground and just had to get the ball to him. That's great. And and secondly, I mean, I I guess you spent most of your career figuring you would never meet Tom Brady in a playoff game unless it was the Super Bowl. Is it? Uh, Pretty remarkable to, to, to get that third matchup in this new rivalry already next week. Yeah, uh, don't take it for granted. Um, very appreciative and, 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 uh, of the opportunity. And listen, the minute, the minute that he signed with the Bucs and came in the division, you know, you felt like you know, that was going to be a team to contend with. That was going to be a team that um, had playoff aspirations and beyond, uh, just like us. Um, so I guess it was inevitable. Next one's from Catherine Terrell. Hey, Drew, after you broke your ribs, did you think uh, the Breeze Leaf basically was off the table forever? <laughs> you know, that's a good question. Um, I guess that I, I hadn't really thought about that one. Um, but, uh, I, uh, you know, we got to fourth and one there, and I told Sean, I just, you know, he's looking at the call sheet, trying to figure out what he's going to call. And I said, listen, just let me jump over the top. <laughs> so that's what we did. I've also got to ask this. I know you're really fired up and talking into the camera after that. Uh, do you like, because they overturned the touchdown, are you like, man, I, I kind of wish I would have waited on that one. <laughs> no, I, I thought, I thought I was in, um, I guess I just pulled the ball back a little too soon, but regardless, um, I guess I'm just gonna have to do a few more box jumps, you know, tomorrow when I work out, make sure I can get that extra distance. It was a little further out than normal, but still felt like I got in. No, I meant talking to the camera specifically afterwards. What's that? No, I meant specifically when you went up to the camera and you were. No, I know. You were kind of I know. Well, oh. I didn't go up to the camera. The camera was in my face as I was walking so up. You had to say so something. I just said, hey, we're going to get in. We were going to get in. Next one's from Chris Dunnels. Drew, you and Mike Thomas have only played, I think, 10 quarters of football all year. So what was it like to finally have him and AK back on the field with you? I'll be in it was great. It was great to get him in the end zone too. Um, hopefully we broke the seal and there's a lot more that came from, but you know, listen, we got some work to do, you know? Um, I think still just kind of first time, you know, really that we're getting everybody together again, you know, hopefully we get Traquan Smith back this week as well. And, um, you know, there's just so much timing and rhythm that goes into the passing game and so many little nuances and things that, you know, when you're playing, you're playing a lot, it, 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 it becomes automatic. And um, that's when, you know, you're really playing at the level that, man, we've, we've been at, you know, in many cases around here. Um, but listen, this is, this is playoff football. You know, each game becomes obviously more meaningful and um, you've got to continue to fine tune and find ways to play your absolute best football. And listen, we need to improve. We still need to improve. Um, there's still room for that. And so that's what this, this week's going to be focused on is, is, continuing to find those extra little percentage points. Next one's from Doug Mouton. Hey, Drew, it, that first long drive in the third quarter, you got a lot of clean pockets on that drive, and that wasn't really the case in the first half. 
did you guys change things up at halftime? Did you flip protections around? Uh, you know, we always do. We, we, we always change up protections just in uh, launch points, you know, just so defenses can't get a beat on you. Um, you know, focus on trying to get the ball out, you know, finding completions, um, you know, creating matchups and such. Um, I thought we were good on third down today. You know, I felt like we, we were able to do that well. Um, even some third and long situations where we just found outlets and guys were able to get first downs. Um, but the guys up front, I, I felt like did a great job against a really good pass rush front. Um, by sustaining those drives, you know, you end up getting those 12 play, 15 play. Um, we had a few of those uh, drives in the second half, which, you know, chewed up a bunch of clock, kept our defense off the field and fresh and, uh, and we're able to get points. And at the end of the day, um, you know, despite the first half where we felt like, you know, we weren't really able to capitalize on, on some of the, some of the drives, um, and, uh, and, and, and really get significant points. You know, defense played lights out, special teams played really well, um, played the field position game at times. It was just great complimentary football all the way around. And sometimes you got to do that to, to win. That's what the great teams do. Next one's from Jeff Duncan. Hey, Drew, Alvin uh, said earlier that you all communicated a lot during the week, you and uh, him. What was that process like for you all? Yeah, just texting, just that as things came up. Uh, just texting him um, kind of my thoughts and, uh, you know, hey, this this is a little nuanced. It's a little different. You be ready for this, you know, um, so that, you know, when he showed up for game day, you know, like a totally foreign, you know, game plan and felt like he handled it really well, you know, despite the circumstances. Hey, one other thing real quick. Uh, TV cameras caught one of your sons. We couldn't tell who it was doing the gritty after one of the touchdowns. Was Did you teach – them that dance <laughs> which one is that the gritty dance i think uh, it looked like that's what he was doing okay which would um, be what it, sean did it's probably it's probably my oldest son Balin. he's the one with the rhythm uh of all the kids um so he'll 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 start he'll start dancing celebrating he's he's kind of the swag king in the family so yeah it was probably him we're all set thanks drew all right. <laughs> That's Drew Brees for you. We got some more sound. Uh, we have Demario Davis. I think Deontay Harris as well. Cam Jordan, among others. We'll see if we can get to that sound. You're listening to The Great Scott Show, The Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Emails are open, scott at ESPN1420.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter, at ESPN1420 is the handle. Uh, Doug emails. So Scott, outside of the Saints game, which playoff game was the most entertaining in your opinion? For me, it was Washington, Tampa Bay. I thought the Heineke guy was really good. Had never heard of him before. Uh, Doug, appreciate the email. Um, he was much better than anticipated. I remember him because he started a game for Carolina a few years ago against the Saints. Uh, I actually remember. That's why I remembered him. But, no, he played well, and Washington made it a football game up until the very end of the game. I mean, it was, what, under two minutes when they had the ball. Granted, it was a fourth and 21, and he just kind of heaved up a prayer. They got knocked down. But they kept it interesting. It ended up being uh, an eight-point game, and – like I told Norman Locke last Thursday, of the NFC games, it would be the closest one. And it was, you know, a one-possession game. 
And I thought the Saints-Bears score would be the most lopsided one in the NFC. And it was. Where I was really wrong was I thought the Steelers would crush the Browns. And they didn't. But from an entertainment standpoint, you know, probably the least entertaining game of the weekend, if you're just looking at it objectively, was Saints-Bears. Because the Bears aren't, uh, look, they've got no offense, so that's not fun to watch. Look, Saints fans were entertained because they got the win, although the first half was pretty agonizing because it was 7-3 to three and not too much was going right. But once the offense got moving in the second half and the Bears defense just gassed out and the Saints defense shut down Chicago, it really wasn't much of a game. And, 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 and the NFL made the right choice in making that game the Nickelodeon game because then the focus was on slime and, you know, Kids stuff happening on that broadcast that people were having fun with it. And oh my God, did 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 Corderell Patterson just drop the first F bomb on, you know, in the history of Nickelodeon, which you could hear clear as day on the mic. And the, the reaction to that was hilarious, which you can see and read about all over at ESPN1420.com in the app. That was pretty funny. That was pretty funny. That's gotta be the first F bomb dropped on a Nickelodeon broadcast, right? Nickelodeon's been around since 79. That's right. The first cable channel dedicated totally to kids. Corderell Patterson, who wasn't born when it started, didn't realize he was going to become part of Nickelodeon fame. No, but um, most entertaining, I, you know, you, you like Washington. Yeah, that was pretty entertaining. I mean, look, Bill's Colts went down to the wire, man, all the way down to the edge. And I think the pressure that was on Buffalo to finally get it done, yeah, it was a good game, man. I mean, I was I was very entertained by that one. Um, I thought, eh, you know what, Rams Seahawks was might might be the might have been the least entertaining game of the week. Maybe it wasn't Saints Bears, but there was none of them. I mean, even though the Browns won by a lot, it was really entertaining because. Browns crushing the Steelers. You're like, what's happening here? Pittsburgh trying to come back. But there were no – it just didn't feel like – when you get to the playoffs and you have games, single games in a window, and you don't have the NFL, well, there's other games going on right now. You can maybe check out this one. You you don't have that when you get to the playoffs. So every game is like a Sunday or Monday night game in that it's the only game on and you're you're sitting there and you're wanting the high entertainment value. And I thought – even though you had a couple of you know games that ended with with double digit points in terms of the outcome, I thought everyone w- had their moments of entertainment in their own right. It was a tell you what, man. I I wasn't. I'm still not crazy about seven playoff teams in each conference. But the NFL's never going back. They're going to get a lot of TV money from those two extra playoff games, and it was a rousing success. It was huge, big success. ESPN1420.com. Demario Davis, second-team APL Pro this year, first-team APL Pro last year. Never been voted to the Pro Bowl for some reason. Speaking to the media after the win. How much like uh, pride do you guys take in, in keeping that game where it was until they, they kind of found it and, and kind of put the game away late? Um, we're a team that's built on playing complementary football, and so – um, we got the ebbs and flows of the game, and and our job is to go out there and get stopped, and that's all that we're focused on. Next one's from Amy Just. 
y'all got Marcus back today, you got CD back today, P-Rob back today. Um, how big was that just getting those those guys back um, after missing them for various months? Uh, this time of year, uh, the more healthy you are, the more, more of your guys you got, um, the better off you're going to be. Um, and it definitely was helpful to have our guys today. Next one's from Sean Fazend. Hey, Demario, can you just talk about the uh, the effort on third down? I think they only ended up with one the whole game. So just your effort on third down. Um, to be successful in this game, you know, you got to be you got to be good on third down. You got to be good in the red zone. You just got to be able to play good situations in the football. Um, we felt like we had a good beat on what they were going to try to do. Uh, we felt like we had a good handle on our game plan and what he was trying to do. Um, and it just goes to, you know, the execution of the guys. Um, so it, it was good enough to get a win today, and that's what's most important. Next one's from Nick Underhill. How much of a difference is it for you playing with, with Alex as opposed to Quan? and just how was it having Alex back in there uh, next to you? We got a good linebacker room, um, so we feel like anybody that's on the field is going to be able to contribute and um, bring a lot of energy and um, a lot of effort and uh, play at an efficient level. And that's what's most important. And um, that helps when we have a veteran room. Um, we got young backers who can pick up what we try to do. Because um, you never know, it's always next man up. And everybody in that room has to be ready. And I think, you know, we have a good room and are able to adapt to that. Next one's from Doug Mouton. Hey, Demario, you talked this week about appreciating being in the playoffs because those opportunities don't come very often sometimes. Um, how much you appreciate it? Playoff wins are even more rare. How, how much would you say you appreciate this right now? And how good does it feel right now? You're grateful, for sure. Um, it's important. But, you know, it's, it's nothing to it, – it's kind of tricky, you know, because you have to appreciate it. But um, it's nothing really to relish in or celebrate because you got to complete the mission. you got to stay locked in to complete the mission, and the mission's not done. So um, it was good for us to get a win today. Uh, but we got to be ready to do the same thing this week. We're all set. Thanks, Demario. And thank you, guys. Be blessed. All right, there you have it. Some audio post game from Demario Davis. There's some more coming your way from a few other Saints players. Plus, what we learned over the weekend in sports from a Super Wild Card weekend. I'll tell you next. It's the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. Learned a couple of things. Some big takeaways. Big ones. One to me is got to play to win. Explain next, ESPN1420.com. It's right there on Main Street in Broussard. Your stomach will start rumbling as you pull in the parking lot. It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN1420 and ESPN1420.com. Welcome back into the Great Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. I'm Scott Prather. Up next, Steve Peliquin with Beyond the Game. Tomorrow on the show, we'll visit with Larry Holder, Saints beat writer for The Athletic. We'll recap tonight's national championship game, among other things. It's all coming your way. What did we learn over the NFL Super Wild Card Weekend? Well, we learned... That Taylor Heineke will at least probably make a good living as a backup quarterback. Might get another shot as a starter. But 
for a guy that was a backup in the XFL most recently before this last run, one strong performance in a playoff game, albeit in a loss, yeah, he's got a good 10 years of football in front of him. Probably holding the clipboard, but that's a good way to make a living. We learned that Michael Thomas is back, and that's a good thing for the Saints. He looked healthy. His first score since week 16 of the 2019 season. We learned that you got to be aggressive in the playoffs because Mike Vrabel, Mike Tomlin, two coaches that are usually aggressive, punting on fourth and one in games where they were down and needed the momentum and they were on the right side of the field but still punting, cost both of them. It's the playoffs. You got to be aggressive. We learned the dreams do come true in Cleveland even for a temporary head coach. Why? Mike Reifer, the special teams coach who had zero head coaching experience in his entire life, never been a head coach, gets to be the head coach for Cleveland in their first playoff game in, in 18 years and coaches them to their first playoff win in 26 years, and he grew up, you guessed it, a Cleveland Browns fan. We learned that Tampa Bay's offensive line is vastly improved and the Saints need to be careful next Sunday because Washington's football team has the best front four in football and they really weren't able to heat up Brady until you got to the fourth quarter. Yeah. Alex Kappa's back at right guard and it's going to be tough. Tell you this, Tampa Bay is going to score a lot more than three on Sunday. That's what they scored the last time the Saints and Bucks played. These are things we learned. These are things we learned. ESPN1420.com. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Got Steve Peliquin next with Beyond the Game. Tops take it two. Word with G at three. Louisiana basketball live at 6. College football national championship at 7. It's all right here on Acadiana's Best Sports Leader for Acadiana's Best Sports fans. Thanks for joining me this morning. Stay warm out there. Steve's next, ESPN1420.com.